You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome everyone back to the podcast of champions i'm david woods from bruin report online the ucla site on the 24 7 sports network and i'm ryan abraham from uscfootball.com the usc site part of the 24 7 sports network and together david and i make the podcast of champions talking all things pac-12 football not in person today uh, i'm in the studio we got david doing a remote uh, we're still bringing a big, uh, good show. We got a lot of uh, interesting little news and notes from around the conference. We'll get to questions from all you guys. If you have questions for us, pack 12 podcast at gmail.com is the email address, or you can call or text us at 424-532-0678. Tweet us at pack 12 podcast, or go to our website, pack 12 podcast.com. We're over on Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. And of course you got that little Apple podcasting app on your phone or your tablet. What you should do if you haven't done it already, follow us over there, the, pot, the POC, the Podcast of Champions. Give us a five-star rating. Any kind of review can be positive, can be negative. As long as you give us five stars, we'll read it because that's what we do. We're not offering any incentives outside of just reading your review on the show. And uh, David, I don't know if we have any new ones. Have you, if I haven't checked lately. We have several new ones, including a rule breaker. We shouldn't read the rule breaker then. Of course not. But no. we will begin with uh, four uh, five-star reviews. Holy this cow. This is okay. from yet another Duck fan. If you want to listen to a top football podcast, you want to look somewhere else. If you enjoy nonsensical banter, people who know less than the average schmuck in the hot dog line at your team's FCS out-of-conference home game, and have more free time than you know what to do with, then this might be the podcast for you. Dave is a beautiful human. No notes. Minimal effort for your job without getting fired or Ryan just abandoning him is something to aspire to. The seven of us listeners and the 80 times Hithlidate listens should really aim for this level of minimum competence. Ryan, on the other hand, is the guy you want to get paired with in high school on a project. Is he the smartest, most capable kid? Almost. But he will work the hardest thinking that the reward will be worth the effort. Find yourself a friend like Ryan. It'll make your life easier like Dave has discovered. Go football. (laughs) Go Conference of Champions. Love it. Nice. No notes for yet another Duck fan. That was beautiful. Uh, from Weston Hamilton 32, five stars. Great podcast. I love listening to this podcast. You can tell that they put endless hours preparing for these podcasts. I appreciate all the enthusiasm they expressed in the offseason and all the recent content on the spring games around the league. Go Utes, Weston, Sandy, Utah. That's beautiful. Yeah, that was very nice. Beautiful sarcasm. Very understated. Loved it. Uh. Then we have a, a, an unfortunate rule follower, uh, rule, rule breaker, I should say, uh, one-star review. We don't read those. This is from JT Dogfan, five stars. Smart, very smart podcast, reasonably smart guys. Keep up the good work. 
And then from Nicola JH, a five-star review, uh, it's a podcast. Having sent in two email questions, reviewed the pod, and clicked on five stars, I'm confident I've done more work for this week's episode than Dave. Wow, he's, he's not wrong. No, in lieu of payment for my efforts, please list the two most painful losses you've experienced as UCLA USC fans. Also, maybe send me some free underwear. Okay, uh, I'm going to go uh, the most painful personally and physically uh, was UCLA Notre Dame in 2006. Um, that was where Jeff Samarja uh, ripped out my still beating heart and I was standing in the end zone, uh, which was fun. Uh, second most painful boy, maybe, maybe 2004 UCLA USC because they ruled, uh, that Spencer Havner did not recover the fumble that would have likely gone back for a score and maybe would have switched that game from a loss to a win. Maybe. I don't know. You got two. Uh, I mean, probably, you know, the, the Rose Bowl with Texas that could have won three championships in a row. That was a big one. And then, like, just maybe, like, as a fan, I think my freshman year, like, the first game, they played uh, Jeff George and uh, Illinois, and USC was up 13 nothing with Todd Marinovich, and they just kind of, like, sat on the ball, and Jeff George threw, like, two fourth-quarter touchdown passes, so that was, like, my first game ever as a student, so I think I drank a bunch of, like, terrible schnapps or whatever was in my room, uh, so I'll remember that one for a while, so those will be my two, I guess. You know what? Uh, one of the most painful losses for me was a win for UCLA. It was <laughs> UCLA versus Illinois as well in 2003, where they won six to three. Ooh, that would be painful. Yeah, that was that was my introduction to uh, college football as a student. Both, well, both the- of us, both of us uh, had our first games against Illinois. That's, That's pretty sweet. funny. Yeah, the thing, I didn't know that. Yeah, don't uh, schedule Illinois. That's the lesson. No, it's funny. I spoke at an event with. Uh, with Todd Moradovich, so I got to tell him about that, you know, being the first game and everything. And um, that's funny. Okay. Well, we got a bunch of stuff to get to. Some like breaking news kind of stuff. Well, not necessarily breaking news. Uh, I have some different ideas. We'll talk about a couple of things up top and then uh, want to get to some betting lines uh, for the top games in the conference. 24 uh, 7 Sports put something together. So I want to kind of go over that. But, uh, I want to get your thoughts. Kyle Whittingham, he got up, bumped up to $6 million a year. He got a raise. Yeah, um, baby. Rose Bowl appearance. Uh, his base salary is $4.5 million. He just he got an extension in 2020. But after going to the Rose Bowl, he's, he's locked up through 2027 now. So all the talk of him retiring, I don't think that's going to um, you know, be going anywhere anytime soon. He got like a $1.4 million raise. Um, he gets bonuses and there's stuff that goes out you know he goes up every year but uh his base salary for will be over five million the last year of his contract uh, and he gets an additional like one and a half million from under armor for their deal uh in learfield so uh, any thoughts on uh, kyle winningham getting the, the good raise he deserves obviously i i i think it's 100 percent deserved um i don't know how much it'll impact his potential retirement He's already made a boatload of money. I don't think he's going to stick around just for, you know, an extra couple of million a year. Um, and it sounds like there's a lot of noise there. It's not just a couple people reporting it. And he's mentioned it, too. Like, I I, I don't think he's going to be there. Uh, what did you say the contract was through? 2027? Yeah. I'd be surprised if he lasted that long. It sounds like there's a, so lot of, a lot of... Uh, a lot of smoke there. Um, 
So I think he's probably got another couple years left. He wants to see what this team can do this year, obviously, and then uh, probably sail off into the sunset. Yeah, if it's, I think one of those things where, like, hey, how long can you keep this going? Can you go to another Rose Bowl? Um, and if yeah, it starts or, to or like make fall a off this year, yeah, yeah. And if it starts to fall off, you're like, do you want to be like, oh, we're gonna rebuild this year and then be back next year? Like, I don't know. Maybe that'll be the point where you're like, yeah, it's a good time to step away and move on. Yeah. Uh, but congrats, congrats to uh, Wit getting the uh, getting some some cash. Um, also, there have been a couple interviews. I believe they're both with the Athletic for George Klyovkov. I think uh, John Consano did an interview with him recently. It's his one year anniversary is coming up, right, uh, July first. So there's been a lot going on. But one of the things he said was um, this was so I think the the conference commissioner meeting is it last week or it was going on this week in Salt Lake City. It might be it might be this week. Um, he thinks that uh, George Klyovkov thinks that football and the 10 conferences, you know, for FBS, uh, for the Power Five and Group of Five should have separate leadership uh, than the rest of the 32 Division One conferences that have, you know, every all the other leagues, FCS and all that stuff. Um, so basically it could still be under the NCAA, but maybe treated differently, like a separate body to kind of handle rulemaking and rule enforcing and stuff. Um, sort of a step towards like, Hey, football's different, uh, kind of doing that. Any thoughts on any of that? I think it's right. Um, I would probably go a step further and say it shouldn't, it definitely doesn't need to be under the NCAA and probably shouldn't be. Um, but I, I think that's right. I mean, I think he's just speaking, um, it, it, and it's very good. I think he's speaking obvious truths. Um, they they need to be um, governed differently because it's a, a significant. There's just a significant difference between what's going on in major college football and what goes on in every other thing. Um, that it obviously needs different governance. Yeah. No, I I, I think we're going this way. I mean, just football is just such a different thing. And uh, you know, he he'd mentioned in some other interviews. Was it four of the five uh, conferences have new leadership in the last couple of years? Plus, Mark Emmert's out at the NCAA. It's like a good time to kind of make some big changes. So he's someone that's done that everywhere he's worked has been like turmoil. And he's taken over jobs where like things were falling to shit and then he has to fix it. So this isn't new to him. Uh, again, the more I see what he does, I think he's the the right man for the job. But there's some big, big, big important decisions coming up. So we'll see. Where he goes with that. He also talked about NIL a little bit uh, to the athletic. Um, he's in favor of it. You know, just in general, he was in favor of it. But uh, he wants it to be really for the college athletes, for the student athletes, and kind of separate, you know, what the rules are. You're not supposed to use it as an incentive for a prospect to sign with a certain school. So he thinks that they shouldn't be able to talk about NIL until you've, I think he said in the, the, the article, like committed to the school. I don't know if he was referring to signing with the school or what, but. Um, he said if, you know, before a student commits, if you're talking to that student about NIL, that's an inducement and that's tampering. Um, yeah, it kind of makes sense. I don't know how you like police that, but any, any thoughts on that too? I mean, it seems like that's what the, the intent was. It wasn't to, in, you know, induce students to come to a school. It's more about, Hey, when you get here, let's do some fun stuff. Yeah, nah, no, not really. Um, I, I, I think they should be able to get paid whatever they want to do. Now, if we're talking about like the letter of the rule or whatever, the letter of the law. Yeah. I mean, I think that's NIL was supposed to be, you know, this other thing, but, um, I'm in favor of the reality of what it's, 
turning out to be, which is guys just getting paid money to play the sport, not to, you know, show up at some kid's birthday party. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, and how do you determine what is commensurate with the work? Um, like, is it, should LeBron really be paid like $15 million a year to like wear Nike? That's not commensurate to any work that's putting on his shoes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, wh- why are we making this determination for, uh, college athletes? So no, I, I don't agree. Um, I, I think, I think he has to tread a fine line because I think there are several Pac-12 schools who very much do not want to touch the uh, pay-for-play side of this. Um, And so he has to represent the schools as well. But the reality of the situation is if the Pac-12 schools, the member institutions, don't get on board with this essentially being pay-for-play very quickly, they're all going to fall very, very far behind. Um, Yeah. And that's just the reality of it. So. I think everyone needs to get on board and then Klyavkov can sing a little bit of different tune publicly. I agree with you there. I mean, I, yeah, the, the quote, I didn't say the quote, but you know, uh, you did, David did about, you know, having it correspond with the work. I, I don't know how you do that. I'm not, if someone's, you know, thinks that you're worth hundred thousand dollars to sign a few autographs, then that's what you're worth. You know, I don't, I don't have an issue with that. Well, that's the thing. If, if someone thinks you're worth a hundred thousand dollars to make up some bullshit, but you're just getting that hundred thousand dollars to play your sport, then that's what you're worth. Like yeah. it, it, putting some like like just stupid facade in front of it is is who are we trying to appease here? Like what uh, what civility folks are we trying to appease here? Um, like wh- who's that for? Because it's not for the kids and it's not for the school because everyone knows they're getting paid that amount of money. Is it just for like old heads who have uh, grown up with the idea that the NCAA is this? Um, sainted organization and that amateurism is like this beautiful thing it's stupid yeah, yeah. no, no I think, a, everyone who has a meaningful stake in this is down to pay um but it's just uh i don't know these hallowed universities um that decide oh i, I we don't want to touch that just stupid pay the, the, uh, the the inducement part like we're going to talk we have a question i think about louisville later like they're signing all kinds of top players and no one knows why. You're like, well, here's why. <laughs> because of NIL. Like, they're getting offered money to go there. Um, it, do, it does change things, though. It changes the rules. Uh, changes the game. You know, we saw Texas A&M. We saw, you know, Tennessee get a five-star quarterback from Southern California. Um, yeah, I, I'd rather not see that as a big part of it. i love to see the when you get there or, you know, to make as much money as you can. I'd rather not see the inducements, but I don't know how you... I don't know how you stop that. Now it's that beautiful. We're going with it. It's beautiful. It is. Um, it is what professional leagues would be without the draft. It is pure free agency. You gotta love it. Yeah, like this Louisville's got like like six or something like top hundred players already. Well, like honestly, the truly beautiful part of it is um, it really divorces this from um, <clears throat> the economics of pro sports, which is part of what a lot of people hate about them these days, because there is absolutely no ROI for the guys who are paying this money. And I, I say guys because it's almost exclusively men who are, who are doing these NIL inducements. Kind of sexist um, of you. Yeah, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a very specific type of person. Um, but there's almost no ROI for them. Almost none. Like, oh, their team, the, the team that they root for is going to be better. They're going well, to get tell like, your friends slightly that, more access or better. whatever. 
Yeah, they tell you can tell your friends that they're better because of you. But, but it is the purity of old school pro sports when when like a multimillionaire would just buy a team as like a hobby and then just pour all of their money into it as like a hobby. Because so many teams are run like private equity now, right? Where it's like, uh, oh no, we've got to cut salaries so that we can eke out, you know, 0.5% more profit this year or whatever. Uh, this is just pure, oh, we want our team to be good, so we're going to just throw out millions of dollars. And in the absolute riskiest of plays, which is uh, based on like high school uh, recruiting rankings, which are good, but they aren't even as good as, as what goes into like a draft situation. Like it is, I think it's beautiful. It's 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 kind of wild west, but it's really good and it's benefiting the players. Yeah. Uh, today also is the fiftieth anniversary. Today, when we're recording this on a uh, what's today Thursday? Yeah. Um, of Title Nine, and so there was an alliance. You know, the alliance, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 announced details of a year-long plan to celebrate the fiftieth anniversary of Title Nine through a multi-pronged campaign celebrating fifty years of Title Nine, and it's together, but it's capital h-e-r at the end i think that uh, was really poorly thought by the way really together no like what they did because okay so if you're if you're capitalizing the her right yeah it encourages you to read that word as all of its uh as all of its uh, uh respective parts right yes to get, to get is not a word but to get is two words to get her is what they're encouraging us to read that word as Mm. Is that good? Do we like that? Uh, no, I guess when you put it that way, not really. <laughs> this is this is I'm I'm being very 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 like pedantic in particular here, but it's just stupid. It's stupid like little graphical wordplay design um, that has absolutely no significance whatsoever, and it encourages you to read this in a slightly uh, problematic way. Anyway, yeah, yeah celebrate Title Nine. It sounds great. Yeah, uh, I know USC's doing some event today. They've been doing, I think, once a month for the last few months. They've been doing uh, little like town hall meetings and stuff. I know they have a big one. They're they're holding something today on campus. I saw like just the local news this morning. They were talking about it and interviewing different athletes and and things like that. So um, yeah, people are celebrating. I don't know why this wouldn't be like a whole Power Five thing. I don't know why it's just the alliance, but um, you know, I, I don't know if this shows like that the Alliance is strong because they're doing a, a title nine celebration, but just want to bring that up since we're recording on the day of the 50th anniversary. Beautiful. 1972. Okay. So, um, probably the biggest news I should have led with this. I mean, one of the things that we have a lot of problems in the PAC 12, right? There's issues with, you know, distribution you know, the PAC 12 network games at night teams, not, competing for championships in the major sports, like all, all those kind of things. And, you know, like similar to when UCLA wasn't very good under Rick Neuheisel and uh, you glove, there were no gloves available. You fix the glove problem. You're probably been, you know, the team would have been a lot better. The Pac-12 didn't have an official grocer, David, and now they do. Sprout I'm sorry, Farmers but they didn't have one. Like they might have, I don't know, but there's a new one now. So I'm going to assume they didn't have one. And now Sprouts Farmers Market, Sprouts Farmers Market is the official grocer of the Pac-12. Our I think long, this is going to fix a lot. Our long national nightmare is now over. Yes. Thank God. You uh, know, we've been talking about this off air, I think, every show. It was, <laughs> it was probably, I don't know, one of the darkest 
uh, secrets about the Pac-12, the lack of an official grocer. Um, so just knowing that that is um, that problem is now solved. I mean, you've got to be now. I don't know. I I, I would say I'm 70 percent more optimistic now about the future. <laughs> There, it probably was Ralph's and they just switched. I don't I don't know. I don't know if they were so grosser. Like what really Ralph's someone's gonna though? tell us. No, they would have they would have gone like Trader Joe's, right? They should be. Yeah. I don't know if Trader Joe's. Why are Joe's those like farmers market? Why is it Sprouts Farmers Market? Why isn't it like I don't know? Well, Sprouts, I guess, I I guess you want to do something regional, I guess. Maybe. Sprout Sprouts is like a like that's like a specialty one, right? That farmers market's like a different one. I guess I didn't know they were the same company, but no, really? Sprouts Farmers Market. That's what it's called. Oh, it's not. It's not like Farmers Market. It's not like a separate one. Well, so there's many things that are Farmers Markets. Yes. But Sprouts Farmers Market is one thing. Okay, I thought Sprouts was like just Sprouts, like standalone. No, it's Sprouts Farmers Market. See, I, we're bringing awareness. You know, I didn't know as much <laughs> about are... Jockey, and yeah. now I know a lot about Jockey. I own you a lot know. of Jockey stuff. Yeah, you know a lot about jockey now. We thought it was just underwear, but no. No Siri. A lot of stuff. Uh, All right, so I've learned a little bit. No Siri, I don't want to talk to you right now. Uh, <laughs> so I've learned a little bit. Um, Henry Boney, this is in 1943, he opened yep. a fresh fruit stand near La Mesa, California. This was the origination of uh, Sprouts. In 1969, they developed it as Boney's Market. And then in 1997... They renamed it Henry's Farmer's Market. And then Sprout's Farmer's Market was founded in 2002 in Chandler, Arizona by members of that very same bony family. Oh, okay. So in 2011, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and Sprout's came together again under Apollo Global Management and all were rebranded rebranded as Sprout's Stores. Oh, okay. So I thought it was was just Sprout's, but... Correct. Okay. Right. right. So, and they're all under uh, this Apollo Global Management, which is a private equity firm, which will no doubt um, destroy Sprouts and turn it into <laughs> god awful uh, piece of shit. Nice. Well, now that they got the Pac-12 deal, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. You know, yeah nice. that's how they, that's how good uh, they're going to eke out the profit before they cut it up and sell it. So we uh, talked a lot about transfer portal stuff before um, 24-7 Sports came out with a an article that kind of gives like the the marquee name, the, the most important transfer for each program. So I thought we could kind of go over them real quick. Would you would you like to do that, David? I've never wanted to do anything more in my entire life. So many news things and you love it when I like pull oh, up news. Man, I am. I am. Uh, I'm over the moon right now. Do you have you guess who these guys are or no? Or did you pull it up? I've already read the story. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, baby. Uh, they do alphabetical order. Um, it's funny. Georgia, who won the championship, they didn't have anyone listed because I don't think they brought in any transfers, which is kind of funny. But the Pac-12, everyone's got some transfers. We got some some movement here on the West Coast. Uh, Jaden Delora, the quarterback coming in. Um, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, like they need to yeah, get Yeah, he's going to start at quarterback for Arizona this year. So, yes, that is an obvious one. Yeah. For ASU, uh, they bring in the defensive lineman Nesta Jade uh, Silvera. Was he the was he the Miami guy? I forget. Um, I believe so. Yes. I think it was Miami. OK, uh, so they it's needed funny, somebody to replace Lole. So, yeah, hopefully that does it. Uh, there's a lot of people. It's so funny when people don't know who Lole is and they're like, 
Lowell or whatever. It's like, oh, no, Filet. Um, your boy at Cal, uh, Jackson Sermon, <laughs> who are you going to ask, who's his dad? <laughs> yeah. Well, at least at least this uh, beautiful 247 writer, whoever it was, led off that piece with, Cal can thank family connections for landing this big fish as Jackson's father, Peter, is the defensive coordinator for the Bears. That should be the first line of every single article talking about Jackson Sermon at Cal or at Washington, actually. Yeah. Um, for the buffs, your buffs. Uh, our buffs. We love the buffs. Uh, RJ Sneed. Obviously, they lost a bunch of uh, production from skill players. Uh, RJ Sneed, the wide receiver, is coming in um, uh, from Big 12 country. Great. Uh, yeah. Colorado is going to be horrible. They're going to be bad. I mean, you, you got to hope that somebody's going to be able to come in, but this RJ Sneed character, uh, he came in from Baylor. Yeah. Where he had uh, 46 catches for 573 yards last year. Yeah, He's productive. A, this will be his sixth year in college football. Um, yeah, I mean, you got to hope he's going to be at least that productive, but they need a lot more than that. I wonder if guys like transfer to Colorado for like their senior year because they like want to ski or something like that'd be cool. Like, I, yeah, you know, <laughs> I want to like I want to go skiing more. I'm going to go to Colorado for my last year of college. I like, just or graduated. And, like, I'm going to I'm going to go to Colorado for this. Start my master's and, and just ski for a while. Like, that'd be cool. Yeah. Just go see a different part of the country. The yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, the uh, Oregon Ducks. This guy named Bonix. Oh, that's two words. Bo Nix. <laughs> Good Bo old Nicks. Bo Nix. Yeah. There's, it's, it's funny. There's a lot of talk about uh, Bo Nix. There's like the feast or famine thing. I, I'm just curious to watch, you know, what happens. There seems to be a lot of optimism that Oregon's still going to be really good. That Even, you know, losing some of the production at running back, they're going to run the ball better with different offense. And Bo Nix, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Oregon. I think there's a, pretty high ceiling and i think the floor you know there could still be a a lower floor than maybe some people think but um i think a lot of it's gonna have to do with how bo bo nix performs uh this season yeah i i i'm not high on bo nix as i've explained several times but um again a guy who's likely to start this year at quarterback so obvious most impactful transfer uh for oregon state um you lose bj baylor in comes uh, Jamarius Griffin uh, at running back. So this is the only – he was the only transfer um, that came in. Uh, so he's got to be the most impactful one. <laughs> yeah, and um, looking at – so he was at Georgia Tech. Um, he, it, it looks like he didn't play much last year. He may have gotten hurt. Uh, but two years ago, he had 47 carries for 229 yards, 4.9 yards per carry, uh, two touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, you can, Jonathan Smith can pretty much recruit anybody at running back or at quarterback. And I'm going to say, I'm going to sign off on it because, uh, he's got a proven track record at this point. seems like anyone they throw in the backfield ends up being, uh, very good to elite. And anyone they put at quarterback ends up being very good. So, um, reasonably confident that one will work out as well. Yeah. Uh, no, I think so too. I think they, you just plug and play with the running backs there. You get someone with some experience. Um, for Stanford, uh, which, you know, they, they mentioned the article, not easy to get to transfer in. But uh, Patrick Fields, he's a defensive back uh, from Oklahoma, who's got some college football playoff experience. Does that mean Stanford's going to turn the corner now? What, what do you think, David? 
no, but uh, pretty good get, right? Uh, he had um, 200 tackles in his career. It's like yeah, 80 yeah. tackles last year. So you're talking about a guy who's been starter for three straight years. Um, so it can only help. Uh, Stanford just needs a lot more help than one guy. So, but yeah, I mean, hopefully he makes an impact. For the Bruins, UCLA, the Murphy, the Murphy brothers, right? Those edge rushers. You talked about that. You're, you already mentioned, like, yeah, that's like a big deal. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Um, I think you could go with either those two or Darius Muasau, who's more than likely going to start at middle linebacker. Uh, but the Murphy twins combined, I think, will be a, a huge impact for UCLA's pass rush this year. Uh, for USC, uh, Caleb Williams. Yeah, I mean, obvious again. I mean, it's the thing is, USC obviously had a ton of huge, impactful transfers, but again, a guy who's going to start at quarterback trumps everything. Yeah, Jordan Addison, the Belichick Award winner, he's up there too. But you got to go, Caleb Williams. He's the he's the man Uh, for Utah. You got to replace Devin Lloyd, right? Uh, They go to Florida to get Mahabo Diabate, I believe how you say it, uh, the linebacker from the Gators. Yeah, and this is another one where I think this is uh, a really good get. Um, guy who started the last couple of years, had 89 tackles last year. Um, two years ago, was really disruptive at seven tackles for a loss. I think that's uh, about as good as you could do kind of trying to replace um, Devin Lloyd in the transfer portal. Yeah, I think it's a, a great pickup for the Utes. Uh, didn't go to the portal a ton just because I mean, he did a lot last year. So they're kind of standing pat. Uh, we're going to... Rounded out with uh, the Washington schools, Washington. We got to get the run game going, right? Uh, they talked about run the damn ball, and they were bad. Uh, Aaron Dumas, uh, right? I think it's, you want to yeah. say dumbass? Or we could Dumas. Say dumbass. Dumas. Dumas uh, from New Mexico, but he was uh, a stud in the you know as far as like group of fly players go. So I think everyone's pretty high on him coming in and uh, taking over. Yeah, he was he was really productive last year for New Mexico. He had 136 attempts for 658 yards, so 4.8 yards per carry. Um, so adding him to that group, um, you know, I think Washington it's going to be maybe a a slow return to being very good. Um, I don't know if they're going to necessarily just blow everyone away this year, but this seems like a quality get. And then lastly, the Washington State Cougars, duh, Cameron Ward. Quarterback yeah, you bring it. You, you bring in a transfer quarterback who's going to start. He is your most impactful transfer. Yeah. So, uh, so that's good. A like, little kind of recap of some of those things. And then the last thing I wanted to get to, and David's just like itching to get the hell out of here because I brought all these topics to the table today. I love your topics. Um, so this was another two four seven sports article where they look at. Um, this is from the South Point Casino, which is an actual casino. It's not one of the like. Bed AGs or blah, blah, whatever, like um, uh, with a bet online or those kind of things. So they have the 100, 100, like 100 games of the year for Vegas spreads. I don't know how they picked the 100 games. They just, you know, these are intriguing games. They left some off. Like I didn't see uh, like Oregon, Georgia on here. Maybe that's because the line isn't that intriguing or something. I'm not sure. But these are the 100 games of the year that the South Point Casino put out there. Um, I think it was a month or two ago where they had the initial lines and they have a new line, you know, lines that are current. And it's kind of interesting just to see some of the shifts. So I thought we'd kind of go over them. Um, uh, there's probably like 10 or 12 for PAC 12 schools starting. Sure. Uh, sep- I'm sorry. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, September 10th weekend, USC at Stanford. The opening line was 
uh, Stanford was getting four points. Now they're getting six. So it's sort of moving away. I'd be all over. So you know what you need to do, people? Bet you the need house. to take out a loan, a <laughs> heavy loan, um, and, and like with a ton of interest. Like take out a really irresponsible loan. Like whatever you need to <laughs> Low do. Low shark kind of guy. <laughs> get the absolute like most amount of um, money you can get out. Um, like something that like somebody might actually break your knees and put it all on USC. Yeah. Like the two points from four to six, I don't think it matters that much. No, no. You need to get all that money in. Yeah. I got to figure out a way to, to get on that one. Cause that would be uh good. Then uh, there's three games the following weekend, September 17th, uh, BYU at Oregon. The ducks are favored by four. They started at the S four and it's still that, um, Seems about right. Where do, where do you lean on this one? I think I'd probably lean with the Ducks. Uh, Even though BYU is undefeated against Pac-12, this is one where I wouldn't like. I wouldn't touch that preseason. I would wait till the week of. It doesn't seem that juicy to me. I don't know enough about what either team is actually going to look like, um, but they seem close enough that four points feels not worth touching. Uh, no, I, I hear you there. Um, Michigan State at Washington. Let me make sure that this is, um, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. Let me, I'm going to look at this one real quick. So what, that was the weekend of what, uh, yeah, Michigan see. State's favorite. Yeah. So they were favored by six and a half. So I put that in the doc wrong. I'm sorry. Um, so they're favored by six and a half before the, now they're only favored by four. So there's some either less optimism about Michigan State. Or more optimism about Washington? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure that's moving in the right direction. I think I would still take early. I would take Michigan. Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State would be my pick there. Um, I, I don't really understand the movement. Like I understand USC and Stanford's movement because USC has gotten significantly better in the last couple of months with the transfer additions. Uh, I don't understand the same for Michigan State. But then again, I don't know as n- enough about Michigan State. Maybe they've had some announcements that have not gone their way. Yeah. Uh, San Diego State uh, at Utah going to Salt Lake City. Uh, this was a 19-point spread. Now it's only 17. Um, I mean, this will be, what, revenge game, right? Like, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of points, but. I don't know why it's moved two points away from Utah in San Diego State's favor. But, yeah, it's a lot of points. I'd probably take Utah. Yeah. Uh, then we skip a little while. October 15th, we got Stanford again. Stanford at Notre Dame. They were a 20-point underdog. Now they're down to 15 and a half. Um, what's going on? I don't understand what's going on here. Is there Stanford's, optimism with Stanford? Like, they're going to be butt again. They're going to be ass. Like, ass-tacular. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame. Load up on it. Again, if you haven't already um, taken all of your money and irresponsibly mortgaged as much as you could to get money on the USC line, get it on this Notre Dame line, too. Yeah. This one's interesting. USC at Utah, another Salt Lake City game. The opening line was a 12. Utah was a 12-point favorite. Now it's down to six, like in half. Like, that's a huge movement. Yeah, that's huge. And so here's the part I'm not getting, Ryan. The Stanford-USC line moved by two points, right? But the Utah line moved by six. It doesn't make – that doesn't make sense. Like, I think I'm taking – 
Utah minus 12, I don't think I would touch, but, but under a touchdown. Win yeah, by a touchdown? Yeah. I think but again, be, don't mortgage anything on that one. No, and th- and this is one you want to wait and see how these teams look. Um, so, and then uh, UCLA going to Eugene, uh, taking on the Ducks. Didn't move too much. It was a uh, uh, Oregon favored by eight. It's now seven. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah, it's like not much movement there. So, I don't know which. That's. That's sort of like I wouldn't really touch it right now. I'd have to kind of wait to see how both teams look. Um, but I, if I had to pick a side, I think I'd be taking UCLA. I, I'm just not. The Oregon UCLA games have been very close the last couple of years. So yeah, I would take UCLA right now. Yeah, I'm getting some points there. November 12th weekend, we have a big one in the Pacific Northwest, Washington at Oregon. Another game at Oregon. This one opened. Uh, as with the Ducks as a 13 point favorite, it's now uh, the Ducks are now 10 and a half point favorites. What happened with UW? Did, be, uh, did something great happen for Washington? Mm, no. Am I forgetting something? Yeah. Just the fact that it moved that much, I think I'd probably jump on Oregon on this, but that's a lot of yeah. that's a lot of points in this rivalry game. True. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely have to wait and see that. That's all the way in November. So um, the next week at November 19th. Uh, Utah is going to be at Oregon. Um, this was a this is a minus one game. The Ducks are favored by a point in this one. Like, hey, what what happened the last couple of times these two teams played? It was pretty close before kickoff, and then <laughs> at that point it got worse. Once did they the ball win by, was in did they play, win by approximately thirty eight points each time? As soon as the ball got until the ball got in play, David, I liked you know, but no, when the ball was in play, there was something wrong. And, All right, uh, you took uh, a steamroller. Okay. Now you're going to start getting into really messed up stuff, but you've got to go rob a bank uh, <laughs> and put all that money on Utah. Right. Okay. I like. Yeah, I would. Getting points, even though it's on the road. Um, yeah, I think uh, this is way, a later game in the season. But also USC at UCLA, another big movement. Um, the Bruins were favored by five in the Rose Bowl. Now they're favored by one. Wouldn't touch it. Feels vaguely correct based on what we know right now. But by the end of the season, it could be USC favored by 10. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. But uh, yeah, if, this is more like a futures thing. Like if you think USC is just not going to be as good and UCLA is going from like eight to 10 wins this year, you, you take it like small line. Or if you think USC is going to be like a top 10 sort of team, then you're like, I'm getting points. Yeah, you take that. But that's it's more about what you want to. If you have some future bet. Um, yeah, this doesn't it doesn't feel as juicy. Like if it was UCLA by the five still, I'd probably jump all over USC at one. It's at it's at the Rose Bowl and those games. Right. It's just if this was at the Coliseum, you would jump all over this. But um, as it is no. Yeah, like five points. I'd be like, all right, I'm you know, I take my chances. But it's basically a toss up and I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. Uh, and then the final weekend we're going to talk about November 26th. We got three more games. Uh, the Apple Cup, Washington at Washington State. Wazoo was getting a point initially. Now they're getting two and a half. Yeah, I don't know enough. I, I, I don't kinda, know. I don't know what's going on with the estimation of UW. I, I, I need to get to the bottom of this because this is weird. Yeah, I think I would lean towards just if I'm getting two and a half points at home. Wazoo won the the game last year. Like same coach for Wazoo. I I I think I would take the two and a half points here. 
Not yeah. like mortgage the farm or anything, but, uh, you know. I, I mean, who knows? Washington might be a lot better. I, I think they'll be fine, but I think it's going to take them a little while. Um, Washington State, there's going to be a lot of similarities. I mean, you know, they got a new quarterback in. Uh, so, yeah, I would take the two and a half there just if I'm blindly betting this, you know, in June for a November 26th game. Totally. Um, Fighting Irish, Notre Dame, uh, they're going to be at the Coliseum taking on USC. They The opening was uh, the Irish were favored by five. It's down to two. New coaches, uh, both places. It's hard to say, you know. I mean, uh, yeah, I'd probably go USC here. I probably would, but like we'll know a lot more then. But I mean, you're talking about a team that USC won four games last year, and Notre Dame, what they won like eleven or something. I mean, they were, you know, they were good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. There's just no way of really understanding USC until you start seeing them play. I mean, it's such a <clears throat> there's so much difference from year to year. So Notre Dame obviously has a new coach, but USC has a new coach and like. I wouldn't new say roster. a completely new roster, but a very new roster um, yeah. filled with because the thing is, a lot of teams replace like Arizona is in a similar situation, but it's at a different level. You know, Arizona replaced a bunch of guys with, you know, quality dudes. USC uh, took like every Pac-12 team star player and several star players from around the country and added them to their roster, which was already the second most talented in the league last year. It's just it's a different thing going on there. And so. Preseason projections, which a lot of these lines are based on, have no idea what to do with USC um, because the analytics aren't built to uh, figure out how transfers are going to work into this thing. And transfer rankings are still new. We don't know how good they are yet. We haven't had the evidence yet. So I think it's um, it makes for interesting. And if you get your reads right, I would imagine very juicy um, preseason betting opportunities. Oh, yeah. Like if you think. Oh man, they're like, they'll score points, but the defense is going to be just terrible. They're going to be way overrated. Bet USC's opponents, you know, if that's what you feel. And if you're right, you're going to make money because the lines, if you're right and that's the way it ends up being, the lines are going to shift and, you know, away from USC throughout the season, but you can get in on them early. Or if you feel like, oh man, they're going to like dominate and blah, 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 then you can get lines that aren't going to be, you know, like, like David said, like USC could be favored. By 10 against UCLA by the end of the season. Um, but they're not, you know, they're underdog right now. So if you feel like that's the way, then you can make your early bets. And if you're right, you'll make some money. If you're wrong, then you won't. But Yeah, and that's why I think um, there's probably going to be a lot of early season money to be made on Arizona. Uh, just because, so right now, like preseason projections have them as 96th in the country, which isn't actually much of an improvement over last year. And I don't think they're going to be great, but I think they're going to be like a top 70 team. Um, so there's probably going to be a lot of, uh, decent lines to earn some money on Arizona next year. Yeah. And, uh, they're going to be better. Unfortunately, the schedule is just crappy, so they might not show the wins, but they, they, they could probably, I bet you they end up covering a lot of games. They, they'll, they'll cover a lot of spreads. Yeah. Actually, I was looking at a thing. Somebody posted this. Um, I think it was Tom Fornelli. Uh, a lot of talk that Nebraska was the best three win team ever last year. Uh, there should be more talk about Arizona being the best one win team ever. Um, if you look at, <laughs> if you look at net yards, um, for the year, like just basic, like yards for yards against, they were only like minus a hundred last year, like which looks more like what should have been a four and eight or five and seven team than a one and 11 team. Yeah. 
Uh, and then we got one last one, the uh, Civil War. I'm going to still call it that since, you know, uh, Land Danning's first Civil War. Uh, Oregon at Oregon State. Uh, the the Beeves were getting two points. Uh, now they're getting four. I would say I have no real thought on it yet. Oregon State always ends up a little bit better than I'm expecting. So maybe it should be a pick and maybe you should load up on Oregon State right now. Do you know how many games Oregon State lost last year at home? How many? None. Yeah. Yeah. You get more than a field goal. At, like for right now, I would go and just give me the points at Oregon State. Now, this is the same thing. Like by the end of the year, Oregon State could be like mediocre. Like they're going to be five and seven and Oregon's like 10 and one. And you're like, all right. Yeah. Oregon's going to be favored by a bunch. Um, but at this point, not knowing much, I'm going to take those points uh, for the Beavs. Uh, cool. All right. Well, that's all I had. What what kind of notes did you put in there today, David? Um, Topics oh, God, that you wanted I to think, talk about. I, I, you know what? I think when you were um, adding yours, you must have deleted all of mine. Man, sorry, my bad on that. Uh, all right. No big, well, no big deal. I think yeah. we covered a lot of the same stuff. You know, we've yeah, done okay. research. Perfect. Uh, we got some questions. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come right back and answer them. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Uh, all right. We have a voicemail. You want me to start with that one? I would love it if you started with a voicemail. And then I think Thomas is the first one, the destination. But I'll, I'll do the voicemail first, and you can jump in the questions. Here we go. Great. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Bert. Um, I was wondering with some of the different uh, transfer drama that's gone on over the offseason, particularly with the Jordan Addison to USC situation. I was wondering, based on what you guys have seen, um, you know, if there's any reform that you would make, what do you think is the biggest reform or change needed for the, the transfer process? Thanks, guys. Thanks, Perk. I, I do like the idea of transfer sort of windows. Um, I don't know. Do you do you care about that? or I think uh, So it goes back to my whole thing. Like, so first, personally, nah, nah. Let them, let them transfer, like, literally during the season. Uh, but to make it a usable, um, <laughs> to make the sport viable, like, going <laughs> forward, uh, yeah. Transfer windows would be cool. Um and something that is geared towards like a signing day would be great. Um, and maybe you could do just, there's one window right at the end of the season and one window right at the end of spring practice. And that's it. Um, so like what, what, when are most teams done with spring ball? Like may have a window from like may through the end of June 
uh, to get into school to start fall camp and then uh, have one window from whatever January through the end of February and have those be the two windows. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, Um, That's my thought. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Uh, All right. You want to do Thomas? You want me to do it? I'll do Thomas. I'll, I'll, I'll read Thomas's. All right. This is from our man, Thomas. It's called destination television. Hi guys. Hopefully by the time you read this, you will have both already talked on the show about the arresting story by the Oregonians, James Kripia about the, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, I don't know either, but I follow him on Twitter, but yeah. About the impact of the SEC adopting a nine-game conference schedule for the Pac-12. While the implication is clear that the change would make it less likely for SEC schools to play other Power 5 programs, there's another consideration. Matchups against the other major conferences that do happen more often than not would be only played at home. I bring this up, though, because of the recent emphasis on avoiding scheduling non-conference games years out. But I think the article reveals that this is short-sighted and unrealistic. More than any other sport in college football, the game is about the destination as much as the opponent. You could have the Big Ten and Pac-12 champions play each New Year's in SoFi Stadium, and it would never feel like the Rose Bowl. Even the best Super Bowl can't top the magic of something like Ohio State-Michigan, and the nicest corporate suites at Jerry World will never surpass the ambiance of most, spar- uh, most sparsely attended sailgate at Husky Stadium. To that end, I think it's incumbent for the conference to preserve those existing future non-conference games of the SEC, but also work with schools to improve the game day experience in general. I mean, is there enough sunscreen in the world to make an 11.30 kickoff on Labor Day weekend at the Rose Bowl against Bowling Green sound fun? Setting game times and schedules ungodly far out seems ridiculous until you think about how, for many college football fans, Saturday is not a sporting event but a vacation and requiring lots of advance notice and planning to boot. I mean, would you wait until six days out to buy a plane plane ticket if you had a choice, Dave? Anyway, I'll stop there before blowing through my word count, but you guys get the idea. Uh, Stay classy, El Segundo, Thomas. Oh, um, is he in, in else going to I don't know. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he's just talking to me. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, my thought here is I, I don't think non-conference uh, schedules need to be set um, like the week before or whatever. Um, I think the reality there is uh, for early season conference games, there is an element of planning and vacationing involved. It doesn't need to be eight years in advance or 10 years in advance or 12 years in advance. It can be six months in advance. No, I don't buy a plane ticket six days out, but uh, I don't often buy plane tickets more than a couple of months out. Uh, right. Not eight years? You don't do yeah, that? Yeah, well, you can't buy a plane ticket <laughs> eight years out. It's stupid. That that whole thing, like, what, what are we planning for? Um, like, eight years out is like... Um, uh, like that's like the level of like dynasty acquisition. That's like uh, like planning a marriage between your two houses so you can inherit their like country in a few years. Not, um, you know, planning a football game. Nobody needs to do that that many years in advance. Six months. That's it. That's all you need. Yeah. And you can base it off of preseason projections. You can base it off the earliest preseason projections, which come out in like February, based on like the transfer portal stuff, and then you can start doing your power ranking and then schedule based on that. Um, I think there's, there's a reality to this that I think everyone, I think there's, there's two things going on. One, the administrators in charge of scheduling would like to get this shit done as early as possible. So they don't have to worry about it and they don't feel the pressure going into the season, which is I think fair and valid. And I don't want to punish bureaucrats, right? The other side of it is, um, the, the reality, which is none of this stuff needs to happen this early. Uh, it just doesn't. And it's ridiculous when we get one of those releases that's like, 
UCLA will play Fresno State in the 2035 season. Mm. Nobody gives a shit. Looking forward Nobody's to that. Planning to go to Fresno, um, and that could be scheduled. That could be scheduled the week prior, and nobody would care. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's there's a middle ground that can be achieved here. I agree, and I think um, if you're talking about like the SEC, if everyone goes to nine conference games, I don't have as big of an issue with the Pac-12 doing it. Or like now, I don't. I think you're at a disadvantage if the SEC can get, you know, Vanderbilt into a bowl game because they go two and six in conference and they just win four out of conference games against cupcakes and they get six and six and they make a bowl or whatever. But I think, and I don't agree with the concept that they're only going to play home games. So what we're seeing and you know, the SEC makes a ton of money and they see problems in college football. People don't show up for Alabama, the Citadel, you know, like they used to, they want a good game. So I think even those teams that were like, you know, basically trying to game the system to get extra wins. I think they realize we have to have a good product. So if if the SEC went to a nine-game schedule, did some pod thing, whatever you're going to do, um, and there could be these, you know, you talk about the alliance, but just agreements where they kind of on the fly, they're like, hey, these teams were good last year in the SEC. They're going to play these teams that were good in the Pac-12 or the the, the Big Ten, whatever it is, and sort of set it the year before. And if it's, uh, you know, you see like Stanford and USC do this right now. If they have five home games in conference, that's the year they play Notre Dame on the road. So it's kind of a regular thing. And I think it could be the same thing in the SEC, where if it's, if Alabama's got four home games in conference and five on the road, their big out of conference game will be at home. And then they'll have like two cupcake directional schools at home too. Um, so they get seven and, you know, a seven and five split. You don't have to say, well, every out-of-conference game is going to be at home. Um, I feel like there's ways to, you know, you can still do that. And you're right as far as the destination. Like, um, you know, USC fans went to Texas a few years ago and just love it. People go out there and you want to go to experience these other cities. And I think there's I think there's going to be some good opportunities where Power 5 is playing Power 5 more. I think they're pushing towards that. And if there's some kind of formal agreement between all the power five conferences where they set these things up and they set the schedule the year before or something, I think it'd be great. You know, where like, Hey, old miss and Washington state are going to get to play this year or whatever. Uh, something like that would be awesome. So heck, you know, Lane Kiffin and his squad have to come to the Palouse and the next year, those Washington state fans that like to travel can go party on, at the Grove, you know? So things like that, I think would be really good. Right. Absolutely. Uh, we have Andrew who wrote in, I says, hello, one time when I was about 12 years old after a Mariners game, Alex Rodriguez almost ran me over in his car while speeding away from fans trying to get autographs. And I was not one of them. I dove out of the way and he started cussing me out as he drove away. Living in the greater Los Angeles area and having the jobs you have, I'm sure you've run into celebrities or high profile athletes from time to time. Who have you met that was a complete asshole or shattered your vision of who you thought they were just like poor 12 year old me with a rod. And then bonus question, what PAC 12 coach fits that bill? Thanks. And have a triumphant day. Uh, Andrew. Hmm. I haven't actually had an interaction with a celebrity or high profile athlete where they came off as a complete asshole. Um, one of my friends did have one with Tom Hanks. Uh, Hanks is apparently a huge dick sometimes. Really? Yeah. Uh, but, I, I don't 
I've got nothing here. Like I, most, honestly, most of them I've run into, it's like, oh gosh, on top of being like famous and extremely rich, you're also like a perfectly nice human being. This sucks. You know, you'd like to judge them, but like, I think for most of these people, you have to spend so much time in like the public eye that you develop uh, really advanced social skills. Like you kind of just have to because you're yeah. constantly scrutinized. So no, most of them I've found are not dicks at all. And I'm, it's not like probably either of us are running into celebrities all the time, but you know, when you do for whatever reason, yeah, I've, I've had mostly positive experiences. Like when I was in college, I worked security at the Shrine Auditorium near USC and worked like the Grammy Awards, and American Music Awards and met a lot of people. And like everyone was nice, like from Alice Cooper, to, like Dick Clark. I mean, I mean, I, whoever I met, like there seemed to be really nice people. Um, like I did when I did the prices right and got to talk to Drew Carey, like dude was cool. Like when it was, when, you know, when the camera's off and he was still being nice and no one was watching and it was like, he's just a nice person. Like I, I love that when you see someone that like you said, they're famous and, uh, most cool. people are like, most people don't suck ass. That's great. The one, so I have one, so, so childhood hero growing up in the Western Pennsylvania area, being a big Steeler fan and watching, I used to draw pictures of like, uh, you know, Terry Bradshaw and John Stallworth and Jack Ham and me, Joe Green and Lynn Swan. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, he becomes the USC athletic director and is just an absolute dick. Like just one of those guys that like, I, I you're talking to me like, it's you know one of those, and uh, there's just certain people that are like that, and he was one of them. Like, and you know, I've heard stories from. I, I ran into a USC staffer in the car wash near here, and he like recognized me and said hello or whatever. And uh, everyone mentions like, man, Lynn Swan, like literally people that worked for him at USC. So you so picture this: you work in the USC athletic department, and like Lynn Swan is your boss. And, like he wouldn't give you like the time of day, like just no, and he charged like money to usc alumni for autographs and things like he just was still in his like i'm some kind of celebrity person not like usc's athletic director it's just just a horrible horrible hire but he would be one that was like literally a childhood hero that was just a dick <laughs> so I don't know. wow if that if that helps andrew that's a hopefully that's a good one for you cool uh this next one i don't know if we can do because we probably don't have it in front of us no uh, asking about college football hall of fame, Pac-12 players that were nominated. What do you think are the most three most likely to get in? We have no friggin' idea. Ross, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to look that up. That All came right. out a while ago. Um, I think we did a story on like the guys, the USC guys that were in there. Like Reggie Bush is one of the dudes. He's one of the prominent okay, ones. Reggie in there. Bush. There you go. There's one. Yeah. Okay. This uh, is Frank in Sacramento. Okay. I'll read this one. These guys can't buy an NFL team. Do you guys think that the rich boosters we see associated with college teams are just frustrated would-be NFL owners who can't buy a pro team? Phil Knight at Oregon is an obvious candidate. John Ruiz making news at Miami is a new name. And the late T. Boone Pickens giving huge cash Oklahoma State are prime examples. No, I think this is you want – like you want your – you're just a big booster of the school. You want to help it, that team these, win. These are the – these are – I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop short of saying the good billionaires. But these are the guys – who are crazy. And you got to respect the the people who are extremely wealthy and are crazy. Not the ones who are just like purely obsessed with 
making more nickels, you know, and, and squeezing out just a little bit more money from their teams, which are most of these NFL and NBA owners. These are the crazy ones. These are the ones who are throwing their money at something that has, again, absolutely no ROI for them. There's no increased benefit to them for Oregon being better at football or Oklahoma State being better at football. They're in it for love of the game. These are the billionaires you want in college football because they're just stupid with their money. And they're they're not doing it for additional profit or whatever. It is just because they are obsessed with their college football team. That's it. And that's it's really stupid and it's super problematic that they have this much money. But it is it is the <laughs> best form of um, of insane, stupid sports uh, philanthropy. It's like if Mark Cuban was a booster for some school, right? Yeah, like no, he's... it's exactly like that. So he's not running the Mavs like a private equity guy, which is why he is still so fun as a <laughs> pro team owner. Because yeah. he's just a, he's just a, he's a huge, he's huge a, fan. Well, that's the thing is he's, so when you, Joe idiot out there listening to this show, when you think of yourself with like several billion dollars, you're like, yeah, I'm going to donate like hundreds of millions of dollars to like my school's athletics so that they can be better at football. You are these guys. You are not the people who own the Patriots or the people who own like whatever, the Dolphins. Those guys are assholes who don't do shit. They're, they're doing it because they want to eke out a profit. Your spirit animals are these dudes who are crazy, insane people. They've probably posted on message boards themselves before um, because they're nuts. Um, they are you with a lot of money. Um, yeah. And you, you, you have to respect that level of insanity at some level. Yep. We got some burning questions. Are you ready for these from Kevin? Absolutely. Says, okay, let's start with a football related and then head elsewhere. Why is an offensive lineman called a tackle? I mean, there's nothing in the job description that even remotely connotes tackling. I think it was, this is probably from, they used to have a position that was just called like tackle, right? Like you, it was like both ways or something like back in the day, like there was end tackle. Yeah, it was a, it was a platoon system. So you would have tackles on both ends and that person would play on both sides. That tackle but, played on both offense and defense. But it was like tackles, like defensive tackles are interior and offensive tackles are ends with like, are you wonder why they don't call like the left tackle? Why isn't it a left end? Cause like, well, they just didn't change it, but I, I think it was the same guy was playing defensive tackle and offensive tackle. What we know is offensive tackle. Yeah. Right. What we now know is offensive tackle. Yeah. But that's why they're called tackles, just because it was it was what they were called on defense, and they played both ways. Yeah, like if you like look up, you know, like UCLA's roster from 1945 or whatever, it's like, you know, Joe Bruin played end. You know, like there's just like, okay, what, <laughs> what's that? Um, all right, uh, then there's why is the numeric pad upside down on computer keyboards and calculators compared to phones? I don't understand the question. So if you're looking, I'm looking at my keyboard right now on my, so my computer keyboard, let me pull up my phone just so I can show. Uh, so the keypad on your phone, if you put it on your iPhone, it starts off at the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, star zero, and then, um, pound. So, but on a, on a computer, if you have, if you happen to have a separate keypad it starts at the top at seven eight nine 
four, five, six, one, two, three, and then zero. I believe Kevin, that is matching like the old adding machines, um, that they would have, like, you know, you would see like if there was a stereotypical, like accountant that had, like a green visor on or whatever, and they had those adding machines with the tape on there. I think that's how the way the adding machines were set up. I believe that's it, but I don't know. Would that make sense to you? Uh, sure. The reason it is on your phone is because that's the way it always was on actual phones. Like it, when you had touchtone dialing, it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine going down. Right. I think you match the, the middle of the bottom. Um, so I think they're just matching the phone. I wonder why it is on the computer though. Um, you could be right about the adding machines. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's pro- I, I'm guessing it would mimic the adding machines just and like you said, like the your cell phones mimicking what you know the original rotaries, and then they would have the touch tone. I think you're right. It was just like one, two, three. They just set it up that way. Um, but it's it's probably just something to do with like the accounting. Like that's when you're just having those keys there. Like you're just mimic. Like when you would type in numbers fast because it was just an adding machine. I I'm almost guaranteeing that's what it's going to be. But someone let us know. If that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. And then the most important, why do lizards do push-ups? Thanks as always, Kevin. Because they're trying to get a workout in. What the I hell, would say. Kevin? Why are you uh, trying to hate on them? Yeah, I have no idea. Dude, but, they want to they wanna show they, they can make big gains, you know? They want to work on their uh, on their shoulders. They like to sit out in the sun a lot, right? Sun's yeah, out, dude, guns they're, out. You yeah, know? they're sunning their guns out. Like, <laughs> what, a, what the hell? Let a lizard live, dude. Those are some interesting questions. Yeah. I don't think we did terrible on those for not knowing anything. What they were. Yeah, we, we uh, could be a thousand percent wrong. So let us know if we were wrong on any of those. Like someone Google them. We didn't even bother Google them. So here's from Nicholas. Two questions. One, Dave has mentioned Stanford juicing back in the day. Are PEDs prevalent in the sport and everyone agrees not to talk about it? Or is it rarer than I assume? They're prevalent <laughs> in the sport and everyone agrees not to talk about it. You think so? Yes, absolutely. One hundred percent. Uh, uh, it's just I think there's there's been a lot of advancements, so it's just it's, it's harder. Part- it, it doesn't matter. Like uh, everyone should be taking PADs. What the hell? Uh, two, with the Louisiana bill allowing colleges to directly get involved in NIL, could you tell us how you think NIL will look different in five years' time versus today? Um, I mean, it's not even been a year, and we've already <laughs> seen like it's insanity. So yeah, like no five years from now, I, I don't know, like, are you like, oh, if you, uh, if you sign with Texas, we're going to, you know, take you on Richard Branson's like spaceship. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure what it's going to be. I it's think changed. you're going to, I think you're going to see separate governance as Klyavkov has asked for and more regulation, but I don't think it's ever going to get to the level of regulation that, um, uh, was initially talked about. Like, I think there's going to be effectively pay for play going forward now. Yeah. But there's, I mean, holy crap. Like we've seen so much happen in the first year, like five years from now. Yeah. Uh, he said like, cheers. Freaking love the podcast is a great way to end it. <laughs> Nicholas. Love it. Oh, you were reading this one. Sorry. <laughs> I was reading that one. <laughs> nice. It's still some thunder from you. Um, we're going to end with an Arizona state dumpster fire email. Uh, just so you know, Chris Cartman was po- uh, posting some, well, I think I retweeted at least one of them. They did some interviews. I'm not sure they were doing interviews with some players. And I, I think from the the tweets and, and what I've read, you know, the players kind of know that there's a lot of, tra- you know, people are writing our, off Arizona State. 
And there's still positivity. I remember when I reported on the spring game, like just everyone you talked to, there was positivity there. Then even more players left. Um, I don't know. To their credit, there's still positivity. But again, when you kick that ball off and if, if things start to go south, like I don't know how you're going to keep that going, but we'll see. But anyway, Eric wrote in. He says, hey, guys, since we're heading toward the final lap of the offseason, Arizona State has seemingly decided the coaching situation is just fine. How and when will the actual termination take place? So he gives a few options. Mid-season FBI raid. <laughs> so that's the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, end of the season tarmacking after they lost to U of A. Mm-hmm. Could be. Herm and Ray Anderson fisticuffs during a presser. Uh, after all this, we deserve a show when, as Ryan says, the, quote, other shoe drops. Thanks, Eric. Everything is so stupid here. I have to imagine that even <laughs> Michael Crow is implicated in some way, and he's part of this, because it just doesn't make sense why you wouldn't have cleaned house already. Like, for the health of the program, for the health of the university, you would have cleaned this up. So what the hell? What's going on? Yeah, I... So I'm I, anyway, I'm saying end of season. I I think this has to be glorious in some way. Like it's gotta be a firing. Like we still talk about Lane Kiffin getting tarmacked. I mean, he Eric brings it up, the tarmacking thing. I think it has to be something like that, you know. Uh, there were some like good USC ones back in the day, like Mike Garrett fired John Robinson, like on an answering machine. Um, obviously the tarmacking. Um Sarks was like kind of a glorious buildup, but just the firing was sort of like, meh, whatever. But um, I don't know. Like, I, I think this one's got to be a memorable one. Like, we quote, there's be some term quoted from it, the way it was done. Uh, like you said, maybe like the president, the AD, and, you know, like the board of trustees comes in and removes everybody. Like, you know, it would just be like the, you know, the red wedding. <laughs> just like get rid of everybody. I don't know. It's got to be something glorious. This can't just be a, like a press release at the end of the season where it just like we're, you know, decided to mutually part ways. Like it can't be that boring. It has to be good. Yeah, I it, I, I would love that. But it might be boring. Yeah, probably. Hopefully, will. hopefully not boring. All right. Uh, well, you were shooting for an hour. We just did a little over that. Not too bad. Beautiful. Um, yeah. And uh, any any final thoughts, Mr. Woods? Uh, Nothing. Nothing. I've, I'm tapped of thoughts. My brain is empty now. It is ready to be filled again. Um, tabula rasa. Uh, the empty vessel. That's who I am. All right. Um, well, we're both empty, I think, at this point. Uh, so, we might as well sign off. For Mr. David David Woods, I am Ryan Abraham. We are the Podcast of Champions. I know it's June. I know it's the off season. We really appreciate all of you listening, tuning in, sending in your emails, sending us reviews. Five stars preferred. Uh, But thank you all so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down. Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.